Okay, I'm ready if you're ready. Yeah. Yeah, just a quick happy. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I really fucked that up. <laughs> This is What Now with Trevor Noah. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by CVS Health. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Happy Nick Curios Day, everybody. Happy Nick Curios Day. Day. And you know, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how sports have a personality. The sport is the way it is. And for a long time, that's how the sport sees itself. So tennis is a perfect example, right? You have a sport where initially it was very calm, very rich English people wearing white clothes and they would hit the ball to each other and they would politely clap. (laughs) Bravo, Michael. Bravo. (laughs) Bravo. Great job. And in every sport, there's always somebody who comes along who shakes things up. It's not just like who they are, but it's how they play. It's how the game sees them. It's how they see the game. You know, I think of it in golf, it was Tiger Woods, obviously. You know, I remember the the furore. Do Do you remember how crazy people got when Tiger Woods did the fist pump after he won? Like people, I remember that being a scandal in golf. People were like, is that, is that for golf? Should that be something that people do in golf? I don't know if he should be, this guy is, they, they made it seem like Tiger Woods, like did a drive-by shooting on the golf course. I know nothing about to- golf. And that is absolutely burned into my brain, that image of him. And I know nothing right? about that sport. And that's why he's so important to the sport because Tiger Woods basically brought, I mean, just, Let's put it this way. He brought a relative amount of swag to the game of golf. He brought, he's super swaggy for golf. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think every sport has that person. They come in and everyone who's like traditionalist, you know, complains about the person who comes in because of what they do. But Nick Kyrgios is that player in tennis. Mm. If you hate tennis or if you think it's boring, you love Nick Kyrgios. And if you love <laughs> tennis, 
then you'll have an opinion on Nick Kyrgios. Because this kid came into the game, and I, and I say kid purposefully because when, when Nick Kyrgios started playing tennis, he came in as a teenager. No one expected anything from him. He was playing in Australia. He didn't even play tennis from like the youngest age. Like people normally start when they're like two years old. Nick didn't really do that. He didn't really focus on the game in the same way. He comes in. He's playing against Rafael Nadal, one of the greatest of all time at one of the biggest tournaments ever. He beats him and everyone in the world is like, wait, who's this kid? And then he just proceeds to like play the game the way nobody has ever played it. I mean, like he like hits the ball behind his back. He hits it through his legs. He'll like, and then also he's, he's got a lot of personality. You know, I, 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 he reminds me in many ways of John McEnroe, mm-hmm. but less rude. I know that sounds like a crazy thing to say <laughs> about John McEnroe. And I liked him for that. But like John McEnroe had that like, oh, your mother, you, you goddamn, yeah, you know what I mean? Which I loved. But Nick is just like, he's just, he's an emotional player who's changing the sport. And one of the biggest things he's changing in the sport is the fact that he seems to not care. Hmm. He plays tennis and then he goes home. He has almost no passion for it, which really pisses people off, by the way. There's a lot of people who are like, you should be grateful, young man, for having... And he's just like, nope, it's my job. And that's it. All you have to do is appreciate a good villain. He's not a villain, but like in the game of tennis, there are heroes or people that are like held to that standard. And then Nick comes in and people can't deal with it. And I live for it. Live for it. He's amazing. He's amazing. Can I tell you? Can I tell you what what makes Nick so amazing? In my opinion, is that like any great villain that is written into a story, you actually come to find that they're not the quote unquote bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I often think whenever I'm watching a movie or I'm reading a really well written story, there's a moment in the story where you go, "Oh wait, is this the villain?" And I think in many ways, Nick Kyrgios is painted as the villain, but the more you get to know him, his life, and the sport, you're like, huh, maybe tennis is the villain. Yeah. It's kind of like how Disney recently has been reframing villains, like Maleficent gets her own story, and you realize, hey, she had a reason to spurn that little baby in the bassinet, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Nick has his Mm -hmm. reasons for, you know, making people clutch their pearls at the U.S. Open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm really, really fascinated to speak to him because um, one, he's a maverick in tennis. Two, he's one of the most genuine people you'll ever have a conversation with. And three, I think the sport needs him if it hopes to survive what is going to be one of its biggest transitions from the legends like Roger Federer and, you know, uh, Nadal and you know Djokovic and all, all 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 of these all of these legends as they slowly age out of the game, there's only going to be one name that gets new people in to watch tennis, and it's going to be Nick Kyrgios. So I'm I'm really excited. I don't even want to waste more of your time. Let's jump into it, Nick Kyrgios. Nick Kyrgios, what's going on, my dude? Nothing much. Just touched down back in Australia and spending time with some uh, my fam. Haven't seen yeah. him in a little bit, and yeah, just just. Just chilling. You've been watching the um, the the NBA playoffs. Well, not the playoffs. It's weird. In the season, in-season tournament. In-season You've been watching it. Yeah. yeah, loved it. Yeah, watched it. Thought it was a great idea. Great idea for the league. It's funny. I saw. I saw like Kevin Durant. He said um, he hated the idea when he first saw it come out. 
And then even after he lost, he was like, this was the most exciting tournament they've played in a long time. Yeah, that tends to be how it is. I mean, athletes, we get pretty stuck in our ways. So a bit of, we don't like change. And then I guess, you know, when it, when it actually benefits the league that we find out. And it was, it was a good idea, I think. Though. Who's your team in the NBA? Because I know you've always, you've been a huge Boston, fan for a long time. Yeah, I'm, Boston, I'm a through Boston, and through? I'm a big, bo- yeah, big Boston guy. Like, Why I Boston? watch every single game. Um, I don't know. I just, in 2005, picked up my first video game and picked the Boston Celtics ever since then. just been a religious fan. <laughs> it's always interesting seeing how people become a fan of a team, you know? Um, I, I think I became a fan of many individual players in football because of, like, um, you know, European football soccer, because mm. of video games, like playing FIFA. Yeah, and then, what are you What are you playing right now? You, you said you, you, you video, you, uh, you game, Call of you Duty. Yeah, Call of Duty, Fortnite, Pokemon, everything. I'm just like, yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm the biggest how, game. I'm how, the biggest g- I'm How good, good are you? I'm very good. Yeah, like very, very good. Yeah, like I'm a. I'm a we call them sweaties. Or sweats. Oh like wait, I'm you're a sweat. A sweat? I'm a fucking sweat. Yeah. What's your What's your I, What's your loadout dude, on Call of Duty? What I need. You... I, I'm trying to actually. I'm. I'm just gonna move this. I'm gonna show you my PC right now. Right. Look at my PC, bro. Oh, nice. Is that water cooled? What is that? Yeah, it's like it's 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 That's just beautiful. Like very over the top. And look, you can see That's the beautiful. Thing. Oh, see I see. Okay. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. bowing. Mm-hmm. Like You've got the GeForce in there. I like bro, that. Um, like I uh, just customized obsessed, CPU. Yeah. You've got the yeah, LEDs. See, you You've know, got everything you know, else going. You're a sweat too, bro. What the hell? No, no, I'm not a sweat. I wish I was. Yeah, a sweat. you are. I just, you are. I just you are. No, you are, bro. You are. You've got that anonymous anonymous name online that you like them like twelve year old kids. Genuinely, I wish I was a sweat. I I started. I only started playing. Warzone in the pandemic. I've always been like a, I've always been like a FIFA player. That's FIFA. been that's Warzone's been my fun though. The no, pandemic, Warzone's just, great. Warzone's great. How good is Warzone's it? great. <laughs> yeah, but then once those my were, KD, good times, once my KD bro. went above one point one, then it stopped being fun because I got put in lobbies with sweaty. Yeah, like yeah, you. sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's that's not fun so anymore. That's so funny, bro. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, then it's not funny anymore. It's not cool. Now I'm just like, oh no, I I, I want to be in like the. The low, yeah, just, KD, the, the, just yeah. the normal, not the standard. Yeah. Like point four five is a good game to be playing. That's like a nice day, uh, you know, a nice adventure. So funny. Was there a tennis person you you were a fan of when you got into the sport? Because your story is interesting in that, like, it seems like from everything I hear about you, everything I've read about you, it doesn't seem like Nick Kyrgios was that into sport until he got into sport. Is this true or is this just a myth? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I didn't really like sport that much um, growing up. And then I think my mum, you know, eventually saw I was pretty, I was pretty chubby and I wasn't active that much as a kid. And she was kind of like, all right, let's, let's start doing some stuff. She just took me down to the local tennis center and I, fair to say, I hated it. I didn't like tennis at all. And then, you know, I loved basketball, fell in love with basketball. Yeah. And then played both. Um, But I didn't really have any role models either growing up, like in the sporting world. Like I didn't really watch that much sport. Um, I was like big into video games, um, actually took like my studies really seriously. And then, yeah, just had no real role models. And then I kind of fell in love with basketball players and that, as I was playing tennis and there were two conflicting sports. Right. And obviously, I've been absolutely shredded for, you know, my personality or the way I go about things in tennis because it's a very, yeah. you know, in the box type of sport. And, and yeah, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I didn't really have any role models, but yeah, I guess that's been part of the journey. So it's been pretty cool though. Yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting journey to go on because like how does somebody get into a sport? How do they become good at the sport and why that sport? Like I, I, I don't think people understand how unlikely it was for you to get into tennis. You know, yeah, it was when, very you, unlikely. You, you were what, 13, 14 when you got into the into the sport? Uh I played at seven. Seven years old was my seven. When I picked up when I picked up a racket, yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, so why, it's basically okay, why, all why tennis? Did your mom years. did your mom ever say why tennis? 
Um, well, in Australia, tennis is like one of our biggest sports. It's cricket and tennis. Um, what about Aussie rules? Are... There was no no Aussie rules. Yeah, for no, but I know. I, I, I can't really. No, I, I can't buy into a sport that's not played out of Australia. I, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a joke, to be honest. Um, on the record, who was um, your wait? Wait, who was your biggest player back then? I don't. I'm trying to think of Australian. Like well, Hewitt, stars. Pat Rafter. Like yeah, Pat okay, Rafter, okay. Hewitt. Yeah, we had, we had like a yes. pretty rich culture in it, and and then like my local tennis center is like literally two minutes away so that was i guess it was easy for them but um i absolutely hated it what did you hate about the sport what was the thing you hated i just didn't most? like it i just i just didn't like i i just didn't feel i never feel like i could express myself the way i wanted to and then i realized that i could later on in my career and really sh- like shits their people right yeah just look i mean look i didn't really grow up with like you know in a, in a rich family or anything so i knew mm-hmm, I, I was mm-hmm. very soon to realize that it was a way to kind of um help my family and help my friends and, and provide for my people and, and, and build a life for far beyond my, myself. So that's when I realized that, you know, that, that was a kind of journey that I had to kind of do. Cause like to say I would make it an MBA, I don't think I would. So it was just an easier, it was like an easier route for me, I guess, to, to make it out. <laughs> did that, did that add, add a lot of pressure to it though? Like when you're playing a sport, that's not just a sport. It's something that supports your family, can lift your yeah. family out of the place there. And I mean, that doesn't that come with an extra amount of pressure that the other kids don't have? Uh, definitely. I think for sure. But I, I, I guess the cool thing about my childhood is I didn't know any different. My mom and dad always made me feel like I had enough and I had the, I had the best childhood. Like I didn't yeah. know that I was, you know, didn't have a lot. Um, so, but I, I got hit with a lot of pressure and expectation early. As soon as I was 17, 18, I kind of broke onto the scene. That's when, uh-huh. I mean, Australia kind of put this, I mean, like the weight on my shoulders for an 18 year old, I think, you know, to look back at it, I think I did pretty well um, with dealing with it. But it's yeah. not normal for someone that young to deal with the spotlight and the fame and and, and the pressure, especially with social media and all this pressure right, that comes right, with right. it. It's like mental, mental. Like it, people wonder why I am the way I am. I'm like it's just the, the my experiences of what I went through kind of you know made me a bit like my screws are a bit loose. I think I you know I I always wonder that I. I remember talking to some friends about this, about the age we grew up in and then the age that people grow up in now. And I was like, mm-hmm. do you ever think, for, do you ever take for granted? You know, I remember when like Justin Bieber was blowing up and mm. I mean, Justin Bieber was obviously a lot younger than me. And, you know, uh, and I, I would think to myself, I go, we're judging this kid, but if you took away his fame, he's, he's a child. Do you know what I mean? It was literally yes. like his news headlines about a child. And I would say to my yes, friends all the time, strange. I'd go, do you remember the amount of shit that we would get up to at that age? But there was yeah. no, there's no journalism. There's no reports are coming after you. You're just yeah. a kid getting up to shit. It's between you, your parents, and maybe the school, yeah. you know? But I, I can't imagine what it was like for you at that age being seen as not just a professional athlete, but as you say, like a, like a bastion of Australian sport. Like one minute you're just yeah. Nick, and the next thing you know... You know, you're the face of tennis in Australia and and quickly in the world, by the way. Yeah, I mean, look, I was it was it was hard because I actually was just a normal kid. Like I was still at school. I had my yeah. school friends. I would just be doing normal kid things, and then I would live this alternate life of like carrying the burden of Australian sport, trying to win a Grand Slam, playing Federer, playing Nadal, and I'm just like, I don't really, I didn't really take it very serious. And that, yeah. that's, I guess that's what I kind of got smashed for. Was like, oh, you're doing this. And you're lucky to do this. And I never saw it as I was lucky to do it. Like I worked every single day to get yeah, to where I was. Yeah. Like, so people are like, oh, you're so extremely blessed to be there. And which I am. Like, I guess I'm, I'm not saying like a bit of luck was needed to get there yeah. as well. But 
it's not like I just picked my hand in a, in a hat and pulled out oh, like oh like professional tennis player mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's why I just can't stand people like oh your life must be a ama- like it's like bro it was like a lot of hard yards to get here um but yeah it's just like it was crazy I I, I just like I didn't take myself seriously enough like I saw my, my name on the list of like Federer and Nadal like these gods of of sport and I just saw my name there I was just like what a joke like I was like this it's it's all a joke did you were they were they your heroes growing up or was it still all basketball for you it was just you yeah, were just, no, you were like in an office it sounds like to me it's like you worked at, at like an accounting firm it's essentially you know what I mean it's like a job yeah I, I was just at school I was just chilling like and then I just like started beating these players and then I just I guess in a way it was good but uh, uh, like it wasn't good because then I kind of lost a bit of respect for like because people idolize these people and I was like yeah, yeah I beat them at yeah. 18 and 19 and I was like Shh, well anyone can do it then like if I can do it anyone can do it and then yeah. people like oh you should be and then it was like the rat race of things like oh you should win our grand slams or you should and I was like that was never my goal it was never my intention to go out there and be like Roger it was like to show people that someone like me from the small town could go out there and compete and beat some of these like I mean gods in my opinion yeah. I think it's hilarious yeah. I remember having a conversation with um with Roger Federer about you and it was actually it was um Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal Bill Gates was hosting a charity yeah. tennis tournament in Cape Town in South Africa and we were just chatting about the whole game and your name came up and man I wish you could see the eyes of the players when they're talking about you the, the one thing that Roger kept on saying, which was almost frustrating to him when he said it was, he's like, this kid is effortless. He's like, this guy does, he was like, what Nick does in tennis when he's not trying is what all of us <laughs> work our asses off to try to do. You, like, do you, do you get that from the other athletes in the sport? Because I mean, let's forget about the press and everybody for a moment. Like people write out mm-hmm. their asses all the time. Everybody thinks they know a sport from the outside. Everyone has opinions. But I always find if you want some of the truest opinions, you go into the sport, you talk to yep. the people who actually do it every single day, and they'll Definitely. give you a different understanding. Like, do, do, did you get that feeling from, from, from the other tennis pros that they felt like you came with something special just in the way you the way you struck the ball, the way you understood the ball, the way you played the game. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I got told a lot from other athletes and Roger and stuff like, yeah, like, you know, past players were saying like, oh, he's the most talented. And then I guess, I don't know when I kind of lost, I'm not, not lost interest, but I just kind of just, I didn't take it that seriously. I never really fully bought in, I think, to the process of like, tennis being like really really important like i still today sit here and i don't think it's that important like i know it's not it's not number one on your list it's not it's just not it's just like it's been a great vehicle for me to meet you for instance to meet all these beautiful people all these cultures and live this life but i never really say like oh like i never i'm not going to introduce myself as oh i'm nick curious tennis player i've done this this and this like i just never really thought it was that serious where and like you look at roger and novak and nadal like I'm not saying they're doing it wrong. Like they've bought into the process and they've become, you know, champions and whatever. But I just think I'm just not that personality. Like I love gaming. I love hanging out with my friends. I love feeling normal. I love going to get a coffee. Like I love, and then if I'm playing some pro tennis on the side, that's great. But like, it's like, I'm not willing to sacrifice these other things that make me really, really happy. You know, it's funny. You you, you didn't just play tennis in like one of the whitest sports. You also grew up in one of the whitest countries. Like yes. I've been to Australia a bunch doing shows. Yeah. I think Australia is one of the most fun countries it's I've ever been amazing, to. It's amazing, yeah. 
But damn, Australia doesn't know how to talk about race or no, anything no. that is not like stock standard white they're, Australian. They're, they're pretty racist down here. <laughs> they are. You can, you can just say it. Like, it's okay. You, just, you were just like, like working around me. I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah, but no, you were just I'm like not going to be the, I'm not going to go out there like, and just like, racist. no, no, no. No, no. Hey, man, it's not my country to say that about. It is very. You know? I'll tell you. I'll tell you firsthand. I've dealt with it. It's fine. It's, hor- it's horrific down here. Have you seen a change over the years? I think it's getting worse. Um, I think it's Whoa. getting worse everywhere, to be honest. Um, I don't know. The world The world frustrates me. The world frustrates me. In what way? They're just, everyone's just trying to just split everyone up. Like humans actually are capable of doing some good things when they work together, but no one wants to work together for some reason. Everyone's just putting yeah, each I, other I, down. I, I, I agree with just, a lot of that. Yeah, everyone's just trying to like separate everyone. It's either this or that. It's like, why can't people mm-hmm. have different opinions and just respect that? And then, I don't know, it's so weird. I just try not to think about it because it drives me insane. Do you think Do you think some of that came to you from growing up in a mixed family? Because for me, one of the main things I had to do growing up, so my dad's Swiss, my mom is Pasa from South Africa. I grew yeah. up in South Africa, but I I had to learn different languages, different accents, different cultures, different... So in my household... There was no like right way to do something. There were just different ways to do the thing to get to yeah. the right outcome. Does that does that make sense? So I always grew up in a world where I was like, I was like, um, I mean, I think I'm right, but maybe you're right from your point of view. And you know, I think growing up with my household, we, there was, yeah, I think that's, yeah, most Aussies, like really Aussie families, they don't, they're not like mm-hmm. super family orientated. And they're like, we're, we're like me, like I speak to my parents pretty much every day. They send me right. videos when I'm traveling. Like I, I have to be around people who are really close to their family. And, and, and like, I just can't, I, I don't know. Like some of my friends, like, oh, I haven't spoken to my mom in like three weeks. I'm like, bro, I actually need my, I need to be away from you. Like, that's not normal. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not normal. Your mom seems like a really interesting woman. Like, First of all, I read, and you never know how much of this is true. I read that she's like a princess. Yeah, she was part of the royal family in Malaysia, but I don't know what royalty it was because we were broke. Um, I would would have loved for it to be royal. I would have loved. But yeah, she was uh, part of a royal family in Malaysia, and she came to Australia. um, And yeah, how the the story of how my mum met my dad was crazy because my dad came by boat from Greece when he was six so like just a crazy or just a crazy story like i don't know they both came from crazy backgrounds yeah that is that's i don't think i know many malaysian greek mixes yeah it's just honest odd like my dad just came by boat my mom basically i don't know how my mom came they she probably swam i don't know what kind of form of transport she had yeah right yeah wild so i don't know who who's um who's more of their culture your 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 mom or your dad like is your is your dad more Greek than your mom is Malaysian? Oh, no. Nah, they're both super, like, super in their roots. Like, my dad's super Greek, like, meets every old Greek stereotype you've yeah. ever... So, what? Yeah. wait. So, what does he call... Does he call you Nikos? Does he call yeah, you... What Nikos. Is, what like, is he, no, they call me Nick, but... Nico. Yeah, Nico, but, like, he will... Like, Greeks never play... Never... Old school Greeks never pay full price for anything. Like, he'll bargain... We'll be, like, at a jewelry <laughs> store or anything. He's, like, trying to bargain. I'm like, Dad, we can't do that here. Um... My mom is just like she's. We got a lot of relatives from Malaysia, and my dad's, yeah. you know, Greek roots. But that's the cool thing about it. Like people can be successful from like anywhere, and any any like from anywhere, literally. And it's 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 cool. My roots are my, my roots are pretty special. We're going to continue this conversation right after this short break. 
This episode is brought to you by Bogata Hotel, Casino, and Spa in Atlantic City. Your perfect getaway. Immerse yourself in the style and sophistication of Atlantic City's number one gaming resort, where elegance meets entertainment and luxury awaits at every turn. If you're ready for an unforgettable experience, visit theborgata.com to book your stay today. Must be over 21 to gamble. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by CVS Health. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. I, I remember watching you at, um, at, a, at a tennis tournament once, mm-hmm. and I was watching you play, and I was chatting to a friend of mine, and he was like, why do you think Nick doesn't like tennis? And I remember there, there, was, a, there was a really cool interview that I saw once. Uh, it was a Tottenham Hotspur football player, right, in England. Yep. And he was, I think he was left back or right back at the time. And his name, his name slips my, my mind. But I will never forget, they were interviewing him about the game. And he said, oh, I, I don't watch. He said, I don't watch football. He said, I don't watch football. Yep. I don't care about football. I don't have a favorite team. This is just what I do for for a job. And yep. and the the people were almost offended. They were like, "How can you say that? You play in the Premier League. This is amazing." Yep. And he said he said, "Hey, was your dad a fan of the company he worked for?" He's like, yeah, "Was your sure. dad a fan of the job? Was your mom a fan of the place where she worked?" He's like, "That's it's my job. I get some people have it as a passion, but it's my job." And and when we were watching you play, I said to my friend, just watching you and your vibe, I said, I feel like Nick Kyrgios is a team player stuck in an individual sport. That's what yeah, I feel I mean, sometimes I, when I watch you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, love, I, I grew up playing basketball. I love. I much prefer team sports, team environments, big time. I love losing together and winning together and having that camaraderie and being on the road and all that. I, I much right. prefer it more than like, and I people are like yeah but what about when you win i'm like yeah it feels good but i just like i prefer to just be with my, my i don't know i just a big team guy i don't know what it is but that's just me like i can't tennis you, players you are really selfish it. you even see it when you when you played in the doubles i mean it seemed yeah, like you had yeah, more, more fun playing doubles yeah. than you've ever yeah. had playing singles yeah yeah big time i love playing doubles much a bit, bit less pressure but at the same time i just feel like it's more rewarding to do do it with someone else um yeah, I just love I love doubles, man. Doubles is a lot of fun. Did you did you grow up with with, uh, with your siblings? How many siblings do you have? Yeah, I got uh, two older siblings. Um, yeah, we grew up together. Yeah, right. I, I sometimes wonder if it's that. You know, I, I talk to a lot of athletes, and especially athletes in the in the individual sports, the ones who grew up as only children almost didn't mind being in an individual sport because that was the only mm. place they got to see other kids, 
And then people who grew up in homes where they had like like a bustling family and siblings, they felt lonely when they went out on the road. Because tennis, I've heard, is one of the loneliest sports. I don't, I don't know if you'd agree. Oh, it's, yeah, it definitely is. Like, I mean, especially me being from Australia, um, you know, early in my career, I was traveling like six, seven months of the year. Yeah, yeah. Hotel to hotel, week in, week out, not seeing family and friends. It's, it was hard. Yeah, definitely. Especially at that young. Like, it's a, it's a hard transition. Um, and no sports like that. Like, Every sport kind of has a routine and you kind of know where you're going, where tennis is like you might lose and then you got to fly to the next place or you might win, have to hang around mm-hmm. and you're playing. Mm-hmm. You don't know what time you're playing. You don't know how long a match could go for. There's a lot of variables. That's why I think Novak is the best athlete in the world because his ability to adapt is like like no other. Like every bet, like every one of the other athletes in the world like has no – like they know when they're going to start. They know when they're going to finish. They know where, how many games they're going to play. Where like Novak, like he's got to go to Asia, different time zone, different food, different yeah. diet, and then he go to Europe, and then different food again, different time zone. Doesn't know when he's going to play, and then America, and then Australia, and it's like, how does this guy adapt to every single scenario put in front of him and still come out the best? Is 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 incredible? Yeah, I, I actually I actually never thought about the fact that in tennis you don't know how long a match is. Yeah, it could be one, it could be an hour and a half, it could be, it could be five hours. So it's like I've played matches that have gone under an hour. And then I played for and for for two hours, I mean, and then I played for five hours nearly. And then it's like, and then I might have to travel across the world to play the same thing again, with a different diet. Different, it's crazy. <laughs> tennis is is nuts. So like that's why I think Novak for me, yeah. people don't really know that about tennis though. Like they don't, and the schedule, like you don't know when you're gonna start playing. Like you're you're just what do, what do you followed mean? by. So like a match starts at eleven, and then you're just followed by. So it's like. There's no direct oh, time so you don't when you're going to start. Actually, know when you're going to start no, playing. Half the time, like more than half the time, you don't even know when you're going to start. So, like, you can't. You don't know when to eat. You don't know when to like. You're going to when you're going to finish. It's hard to plan. Or it's insane. Yeah, this doesn't seem ideal, and it seems even less ideal if it's not your ultimate passion in life. Yeah, exactly. It's stressful. Yeah, when you, you do stuff I mean? that you, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely caused a lot of stress in my life. But again, I can understand that it's opened up a lot of doors for me as well. Yeah, no, look, I think everything in life has a has a blessing and a curse attached to it, you know. Um, I remember there was a time in stand-up comedy when as comedians, we, we would talk a lot about this backstage. Comedy, I would say before social media and, and in many moments, comedy was a really lonely, and it can be a very lonely, um, you know, profession in that we're on the road. When you start off, you're by yourself. You know, you just, you've got a bag, you fly to some random place somewhere in the world, you do comedy there for a week and then you fly somewhere else. It's, it's similar to tennis, just, you know, there's not, the crowds aren't the same. And there was a period where a lot of comedians were committing suicide. And we'd always, we'd always hear these yep. stories. You'd be like, yo, did you hear about Mike? What happened? would be like, yeah, Mike, Mike committed suicide in a hotel in some random place in the world. And it was always like the same sad story on the road by themselves. And then, you know, that was it. That was the last time we'd hear of, of, of that comedian. And we would talk about this and we say it's such a solitary experience. It's such a solitary existence. And at some point you go, what am I even doing this for? You know? And and and, and when I've, I've seen you've been very public about like the mental aspect of the game, and I, which I've appreciated, by the way. You know, yourself, Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka. It's like the first generation of superstar athletes who aren't afraid to say, hey, I put myself before the sport. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important because I was close to, you know, I was in a very dark time and I was close to, you know, I was feeling the exact same way. I was like, what am I doing this for? Like, I hate, like, because I was two completely different people. I was like Nick Kyrgios and then I had to turn into someone else 
and that was the only thing that people cared about was that was that nick that i had to turn into mm. you know and and that entertainer and then when i was normal no one gave a shit so i was like this is tough like i was like I, i'm tired and i'm doing it week in week out and i was alone on the road and i was like i you know drinking drugs partying yeah. and then being out yeah. till like 5 a.m then playing the next day and it was just like it was a big dark depression that i was in and no one like just because i was winning tennis matches it seemed to just be okay everyone was like okay he's fine then but i was yeah. like that's the that's 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 what's dangerous is that people just will get up and continually go because they have to go but they're really not okay and then naomi was the first kind of person that i was seeing taking time away from the sport like she stepped yeah. away from the french open everyone was like oh how could you like it's a privilege to be there i'm like bro she earned her right to be in the french open if she doesn't want to play for mental health that's up to her and then I was, I saw that and that opened my eyes. I was like, holy shit, someone's actually doing it. Wow. And then, cause I was going through that for ages before she kept, before she did it. And then I told her, I was like, you helped me because I don't know, maybe if I kept going, like I wouldn't be here right now. Cause that's how bad it was. And then I've just now sh completely shortened my schedule. I only play when I want to play. I only do what I want to do. And I was like, and then I end up doing things with more purpose anyway. Like this interview, like there was a time where I used to do this type, this type of stuff and hate what i was doing and hate I, I never even enjoyed doing things like this but now i'm doing everything with a purpose and it en ends up actually being more rewarding so it's like athletes doing that and it's when i reached out on, when i put it on social media the best thing about it is people still reach out to me today when they're just like oh can i you know have some advice and i get people's numbers and i talk to them on the phone and i whatsapp i don't even oh, know wow. these people but wow i just help them and it's like that's the coolest thing about it like just opening up i mean i'm helping so many people did you did you have anyone that you leaned on either inside or outside of the sport when you were going through it? Because you, you're this young kid who blows up. The world is on your shoulders. You are yeah. considered a professional. I mean, before, you know, you're even an adult, really. Like, did you have mm -hmm. anyone you leaned on? Was, was there anyone who really helped you through these tough times? It was such a shock to the system, I think, for my family and my friends because no one had ever done something like I'd done. Like, yeah. it was just, it was just not heard of that anyone around where i'm from like blew up globally and did something and it was just hard no i, did, I didn't have anyone mm -hmm. they had no idea what i was going through they had you know it was just like oh you're making good money so that's it it's just like there was so much more stuff that came with it than yeah. that that really affected me because i was such a normal person like i wasn't like i did, hate the fame i hate all that sh like i hate i think it's a joke um and i hated it and then i had no one to kind of lean on and then i i i had some people like even Andy Murray in the locker room was like, bro, are you okay? Like I had some other people like kind of seeing like what I was going through and then I yeah. got, I seeked help and I just got myself out of it to be honest. But I didn't really, and that was hard. That was really hard. I, I didn't feel, every time I tried to confide in someone that I knew they had no idea what I was going through. So it was really hard. When you were working with um, Naomi Osaka, yeah. you know, I, I saw a few clips of you guys going viral, you know, you and her talking about some aspects of the game. Yep. She's somebody who I feel like has a natural connection with you for multiple reasons. You yeah. know, you're, you're both you're both these professionals who came from worlds where you were mixed, where you almost always didn't fit in, but then found a place that you did fit in. But it wasn't necessarily your number one passion, but you're both amazingly good at it. When when the two of you are together, like what do you what do you find Naomi brings out in you that you you know that maybe you haven't found when you when you connected with other players early on in your career? Yeah, just that she's really struggled to fit in. I think the sport, like I, I find comfort when I when I she was on she was on my show as well. 
Yeah. And we had a really good chat and she's like, she had a lot of questions for me in that sense. She's like, how do you deal with it? Because, you know, you've had a lot of backlash and I think we both just find that common ground in like we're being, we're so different in when we came into the sport, we were like the black sheep in like, and we just really trying to find our way and we had a sea of mm-hmm. fans, but then we had a peop- sea of people that didn't like the way we went about things. And it was like, she was like really like, we both don't give enough credit to ourselves. I think like she's won four grand slams. She's beaten everyone. And I'm like, you do realize you've you've achieved a lot. She's like, ah, like I've achieved a little bit, and I'm like, we both really struggle <laughs> to give ourselves credit. And yeah, I think we just we we kind of find comfort in each other because it's like we we're almost yeah we're like I feel like if I had a comparison in the on the women's tour, it would be her. You know, I haven't achieved right. anything of what she's achieved. You know, she's achieved three times as much, but it's like. I just I can see the way she she really looks she looks uneasy at the courts. Like I see her walking around, I'm like, she's just not in her environment. She's always walking with headphones on, trying to disassociate, and I'm just like, that's me. But like she's just really, really internal. Her coping mechanisms to go in her shell, where mine is actually to just be be like be crazy, where it's like that's that's yeah. the only difference. But yeah, she's I've learned a lot from her as well, which is good. Sometimes I, I think to myself, you know, when I when I watch athletes break into a, a sport. One of the things that, that that plays through my head is the understanding of the sports culture versus that athlete's culture. You know, yeah. in in England, for instance, a lot of people don't know that like footballers are considered like from the working class and lower class. It's not like a prestigious sport in 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 yep. the country. You know, uh, rugby is up there, cricket's up there. That's considered okay. You are that's the sport that the the prince would play, for instance. And 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 you you see it change around the world. Tennis, from the time I was in school in South Africa, tennis was the sport that like the richer kids could play. Like I remember seeing the price of a Wilson racket. Like when I played tennis, I had one of those the wooden. You know what I mean? The, the, our school yeah, gave yeah, us yeah, those yeah, wooden long, ones long, with the yeah. long handle. Yeah. That's yeah. all I could play with. And then like these kids would come to school and they'd have like their Wilsons and they would have like all the kits and everything. You, you, there was no dream of affording that, so we couldn't continue playing tennis. But because of who's in the sport, there's also a cultural aspect that the sport dictates. And if you don't follow that culture, you're seen as being, you know, a a, a bad boy, a, a rowdy person. A like half of the things people criticize you for. I sometimes go, you realize if Nick was playing another sport, this would just be an athlete. That's what people would say. Yeah, y- yeah. you know what I mean? mean. I've had I've had conversations like if I played NFL, NBA, like I'd be the I'd probably be the like the cleanest and nicest guy in the locker room. Yeah, like, they'd be like quiet, Nick. That's what they'd say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's how I am. I'm I'm actually very internal and, and I'm an introvert when I'm off the court. Like I don't yeah. like like doing too much um, and saying too much. So it's like, yeah, that I mean, what you, you nailed it on the head. Like the things I'm doing, like throwing a racket or like like a snippet of throwing a racket. So, but the, the thing about it is like I play for four hours and they choose to show a clip that goes yeah. for like five seconds and then broadcast it over the biggest media platforms in the world. And then obviously that's how you're going to brainwash the majority of people that right. haven't watched the four hour match, but they've watched the five little second clip. Oh, how could you do this every day? It's like, what the f- are you talking about? Like, and that becomes a narrative and that just grows legs. And then it's like, oh, he does it all. It's like, bro, you guys don't know who I am at all. And it's like, yeah, tennis is a white privileged sport. That's how it was when I, I was like the first. I guess there was a cu- couple in the sport before me, but there wasn't many. And now there's so many. There's Tiafo, Osaka, yeah. Dim, Shelton, Kyriot. Like, it's amazing. And it's like, I feel, I don't feel as alone and as alienated anymore as I did when I came up because I was like, I walked in the locker room. I was like, bro, there is no one here that I fucking mm-hmm. at all. I was like, what is this place? It was, it was cold. Every, no one talked with each other. It was no, there was no like 
friendships. I was like, this is brutal. And then now it's like I walk in there and you see people on the court like they've got passion. They've got personality, their culture. They're bringing different sides of the sport. Now we embrace it. And I'm like, dude, when I came through, I was like, you guys painted me as if I was like a murderer. Like that's how bad it was. Like there were some articles that I was like, all I'm doing is just being me and bringing my personality to sport and I'm getting right. absolutely – and that's it's kind of given me a sour taste of tennis, to be honest. Like I, I don't think about tennis in a, in a good way. I, I think it's a, a very shallow and they haven't embraced personalities and, and it's dangerous because some people like me, like it was hurtful and I did struggle with it. So, mm-hmm. And I know in other sports like NBA or – you know, rugby or soccer, like there's so many different personalities. Yeah. And everyone's kind of, it's like, that's how it should be. Like, it's just like, we're so past, like, just, ah, uh, yeah, tennis is, yeah, I, I hate it. Like, honestly. <laughs> you, you you know, I, I understand why you hate it, but in a selfish way, as a fan of the sport, I am grateful for you. I, I hate that you went through those experiences, but in a selfish way, I'm grateful for you because I don't think tennis realized how much it needs Nick Kyrgios. I don't think tennis realized how much it needs to be unpredictable, how much it needs to be personality, how much it needs to be like, you, you know, when you, when you look at the, you know, the, the, the tennis stadiums themselves, you go from country to country. I've, I've only watched, yeah. I've only watched a grand slam in New York and I've watched one in um, Paris or Roland Garros. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to think if I've done one more, maybe I'm not sure, but all of the stadiums have different personalities and the commentators in the tennis world celebrate that. They go, oh, Roland Garros, is, is, this is the attitude yeah. and oh, yeah. Wimbledon is very posh and New York is very yeah. like lively and fun. And then as soon as you get a different yeah. one on court, it's like, oh, why are you acting like that? It's exactly. Like, well, I, I never understood why different? they didn't celebrate that as a, as a concept. I look at how John McEnroe brought people into the sport because of how crazy he was. Yep. Yeah, he was nuts. And then, yeah, he got... I mean, I feel like, I mean, then, and then he retired and now he's an absolute legend. It's like, oh, <laughs> you should have embraced him while he was here type thing. But I feel like that's for me. I feel like now I'm getting more embraced when I'm getting to like the later stages of my career. And it's like, yeah, would have helped if I got embraced earlier on because I probably wouldn't have obviously had those dark periods in time. Right, and I probably right. would have been in better physical condition. I probably would have adored the sport more and tried a little bit harder to get the best out of myself. But now, I mean, like I look back at it and it just caused so much dark and negative and stress and on me my family like yeah yeah it just wasn't a nice i don't look back at it as a nice period of my life and i think people always ask me like oh how long do you want to play for i was like i'll probably play for another another year or two and they're like oh why not i'm just like because i don't look back at it and smile i look back at it and i'm like it 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 makes me almost sad and and upset Mm -hmm. my career Mm -hmm. that's just something that it is what it is like i can't change it but it's it's not what you want to hear from an athlete that's dedicated his whole life towards do you uh, do you ever think of you? I know this is going to sound crazy. You should you should do like a party year before you leave. A what? Just have like a party year, like a party, like oh, bring all your I've friends. Just yeah, like make I've, it I've, make it as much of a party as you can before. Like don't leave. All my friends can't travel like all the time. They got man. They tell, got, you they know what? Let do. me tell you something. Once you announce it as like the retirement year, people will be a part people, of it. You reckon? Yeah, they gotta they gotta make make it a thing. Find a sponsor. Get just the sponsor to pay for like their salary for like a year. Yeah, make it like okay, a reality maybe. show. That'd be sick. Go out there, like go out with a bang. Like I I feel like why let the sport leave you? You know what I mean? You leave the sport the way you want to leave it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's actually a pretty mental idea. Can I can I tell you the most fun I ever had? Like 
some of yeah some of the most some of the most depressing quiet moments in my life have been and not good quiet have been on the road doing comedy like like a slog exactly what you're saying yeah. i'll be in some random rainy town in england this was years ago in my career it's just me in like a hotel room that's underground cuz you know some hotels they they have that somehow i don't know the first floor is yeah. like under the yeah. you know the yeah. surface of the street that's how that works you know what i mean and and Dude, and I would be so just like depressed and tired and and all of it. And the one thing I do now for myself is I go, I will make my environment the biggest community possible. So if yeah, you see it. me on tour in India, if you see me anywhere, I'm like, yo, man, I roll with my people. I go, the tour is almost secondary to me living my life with my people. And it ch it's changed everything. It's changed, even the yeah, worst tour becomes the best tour. I think that's what I did last year. Like that was the best year of my life. And I kind of looked at it in a different light. I was like, okay, I'm going to look at it as like, I'm going on a ho holiday with my partner and my yeah. team. And then yeah. I'm playing a bit of test. And then I had the best year of my life. So maybe you're right. Maybe you're onto something there. Yeah, man. I don't know. I Because I, because I, here's the thing. And you'll tell me if I'm wrong. It feels like you think of retiring as a, as a moving, um, you know, as, as, it doesn't feel like a constant measure, you know. When 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 other athletes speak of retiring, so when Roger would speak about retiring, I remember him. He would always talk about his body, and it was the end. I could I could I could see Roger talking about that. They would have a timeline, and I think COVID robbed robbed him of a few years that we could have celebrated with him. Yeah. But like when I look at you, I can see there's a lot of it that's like it's not Nick's body. It feels like it's Nick's mind and Nick's heart that wants to take a break and and get out of it. You know. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. Like my body now is obviously, you know, I've had a couple surgeries by 28 and, and like I never really wanted to get to a point in my career where I, I did that because I want to yeah. have a family one day and be f active and, and, and play with them and run around. Right. But yeah, it's more so I'm just a bit like, yeah, I guess just, I don't know, there's a bit, a bit of tennis that, that stings every time I think about it and that's not, it's like I don't, yeah, I mean, look, I'll come back and when I'm, when I'm healthy and I'll, I'll play and I'll entertain for another year or two. But after that, I think that's it. Let's go back to, um, you know, when you were saying you, you were painted as this, as this bad boy, I would love to know, how do you feel about the title bad boy? Do you like it? Because from the outside, sometimes no. people, no, you don't. No, I don't like it because it's like a reputation that I've had to kind of like fight against my entire life. Just like mm -hmm. every time I meet a not like a person or go out in public or, you know, for instance, my partner, when I, when I met her, she thought I was arrogant she thought i was maniacal she thought i was like volatile she thought i was like yeah just like a bad person and i was like i've just been fighting against this reputation my entire life and i'm actually the exact opposite like i don't take myself seriously at all i'm literally <laughs> the calmest person you've ever met yeah i'm very low maintenance like i'm selfless i'm not selfish at all like every tennis player is like i'm like and it's it's been hard like people don't even hear me out and it's just like it's i hate it because it's like <laughs> It's 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 been tough, definitely. But if, unfortunately, that's really the only nick that they care about. So it's like it's hard. I I don't know if you still do this, but I, I remember hearing once that you coached yourself. Is it, was that true? Yeah, I haven't had a coach for like six, seven years now. What well, was 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 part of that because you didn't want to be coached out of being yourself, or was it just because you don't work well with a coach? I guess I just think that my way is the best and no one knows me as well as I do. Like I'll hold myself accountable when I do something stupid. Mm -hmm. No one knows my game the way I know my game. I know what I need to improve on. Um, I know what my strengths are, but also it's just a waste of money in my opinion. And like <laughs> these, 
these coaches are like <laughs> charging like 150 to 200 grand a year. I'm like, for what? Like you stand there and like, like I do my own study. Like I, I can just go to YouTube right now and, and, and look at every single per, every single player's strengths and weakness, study their game, watch hours of film and, and do all that side of things tactically. Um, I know what my, t- my technique's absolutely fine. I can like, I'm not going to pay someone 200 grand to just travel insane. the world and just stand on court with me and just like, oh, you do this. Okay. That's 200 grand worth of can advice. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Hell yeah. no. Like, what the fuck? That's ridiculous. Yeah, you see so, this, but this is even crazier to me. The fact that you win anything is even, <clears throat> is even wilder to me now. Cause I'm just like, you, you, you're an anomaly. You're a, you're a, people talk about a natural talent, but you are truly an anomaly. You you can't play at the highest level of any sport without a court a yeah, coach you can, and though. do what you, you do. You can, you can, you can, you can. You, you can, think you so? Can. It's 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 real. It's simple. Like the biggest lie we've all been told. It's not that simple. It really is. It's it's very simple. I feel like this is yeah. Superman lifting a bus, being like, it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. You no, just gotta it's, with, it's, you just got to lift with your I mean, knees. You just got to lift with your legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I don't know. <laughs> when 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 Nick Kyrgios looks at his life apart from the game. I know. Um, are, are you still dealing with an injury now? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Do, when you when you get these injuries, do you actually know when you're coming back, or is it all just speculation? Um, it just depends what kind of injury it is. Obviously, like if it's a rolled ankle, you know. It's, but I've you know I've had some surgeries, and I'm just trying to get back. There was a you know there was, I had a bit of a wrist thing, and it was kind of bothering my everyday life. Like I couldn't go to the bathroom. I couldn't put salt on my steak. Like it was getting to a point where I was like, okay, it was affecting my everyday life, and it wasn't even oh, about damn. tennis. People were like, oh, how are you on the court? I was like, dude, it didn't even it wasn't even on the court. Like I was like struggling to be without pain in my day life, so I had to get it done. Damn. And now I don't really have like a timeline. You know, I'm just going to come back. I feel like I've got so much stuff that I can focus on in the meantime yeah. that it's just like. I'm going to do this right, take my time, come back whenever I want. I've got a protected ranking of 21 so I can come back and play whatever I want to play. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Like, I'm going to enjoy my life in the meantime. Like, and enjoy it, do my rehab, and and that's it. Like, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you probably if I was healthy at the moment. I'd be probably because training. Because you'd be back be out a, there doing your thing. Yeah, but I'd be in a bad mood. I would be training and I'd be miserable. And then I'd be like, no, I'm not doing this call. Like, and now, do you know what I mean? So it's like yeah, there's yeah, positives yeah. to everything. Yeah, I, 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 I really wonder how long it's going to take for us to get to the place where we acknowledge that athletes are human beings and we don't own them in their entirety outside of the sport because we're watching <clears> you perform the sport. You know, what I mean? like that—that that is the action. And there's this pervasive idea that athletes are owned off the court or, or off yeah, the field. Like, like be doing people, this. This yeah, you, we like, want you. We want you doing. We want you. 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 And then as soon as you express emotion about being wanted, people are angry at you. They're like, "Oh, what do you mean he's tired? What do you mean he's not having a good day?" Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. You you said it. Let's talk about a bit of uh, like just something like your personal life. Like as as Nick, you've you've been really open and and really vulnerable, which for me flies in the face of this idea of you being an asshole. You know, you, to me, it seems like you are somebody who occasionally loses their temper or shows their emotion while playing a sport, which by the way, again, is normal normal. in most sports. But when you, when you force to wear like white white shorts. Yeah, it is. We're not, we're we're human. So aren't we supposed to feel, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I hope that will change in tennis, man. I really hope it will. Because I think it, the sport, it, it, it I think won't. if the sport's not careful, it will start to become a vestige of itself. It'll just become like this, you know. Remember when as, like the Williams as, sisters? As soon, yeah, but started. as soon as Nadal and Djokovic goes, anyway, the sport's going to struggle. They'll lose hmm. so many fans. I think, look, obviously with Sinner and Alcaraz coming up, but 
the way they've marketed the sport, there's not going to be as much interest anymore. Yeah, and you see, and that's what I mean. They can't afford to lose people like you. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, well, too bad. <laughs> I've got plans. I'm not what what are your plans? Much what, what, if you could wave a magic wand, what does Nick I actually Kyrgios don't do? have plans. That's a, that's a lie. I don't. I don't. No? I'm not a planner. I, I just I just go day by day. I look back at. No, I just go back. I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. I don't even know what I'm doing this afternoon. Honestly, I don't have. No, I'm not a planner at all. But what would you want to do? If you could do anything, I, I honestly could, don't even you... want to think about it. Like I find happiness in the easiest of things. Like I just so excited to just get up and be at home, like get a coffee, spend time with my mum. Like those things are just like the best things. I just want to do that for for as long as I can. I think I think you know with all the downsides as as we talk about of of the sport of tennis. I wonder if you have felt because I I could just be projecting this incorrectly, but obviously there are downsides to social media. Did you start to find a level of connection with people because of social media? Like, did you start to realize that Nick Kyrgios was touching hearts and minds all over the world in a way that you weren't aware of when you started playing? Definitely. And I think that's <clears throat> that's what I'm doing now. Like, I've actually, funny you said it, like, I'm starting my show called Good Trouble. I sit down one-on-one with some really interesting people. Like, I've done Mike Tyson, Gordon Ramsay, Gary Vee, Jay Shetty, and you know, they're all getting edited now, but I, I was filming that when I was in LA and it's like, we sit down intimately and I didn't realize that I would be able to interview these people, first of all. Right, right. The social media was the biggest link of that. And then obviously tennis, if I wasn't good at tennis, I wouldn't have even had the, you know, the, the, the platform to do it. But like, I've sat down with these people, these amazing entrepreneurs, athletes, chefs, yeah. like, and I'm like, yeah, they all seem to have like the same sort of, they're like, they do things with purpose. They've come from a super, like, super hard background. They've like, they're never satisfied, like, ever. Mm-hmm. They're always like, oh, I achieved something. I got to do, I do more. And I'm like, when I speak to these people, I'm like, I sit there and I'm like, I did Rain Wilson, by the way. And he, we chatted about like the comedy scene and people, you know, there was a lot of suicides. So when you were saying that, yeah. I was like, yeah. it was, we was, I was pretty fresh in my mind. But like, I was just like, how the hell is Nick Kyrgios sitting down here interviewing these people? And I'm like, my life with the social media and stuff like i'm i'm like I, I i hated it but then i'm like dude, there's so many cool things that come from it like even this yeah. for instance like it's 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 pretty powerful stuff but i think you got to use it in the right way definitely because there's a lot of junk on it as well it's interesting you've said it twice and it says something to who you are but like the fact that you say how is nick Kyrgios in this situation how is nick Kyrgios speaking to that do you ever acknowledge the fact that like people are thinking that about you no you know yeah, yeah, it's funny that you don't ever think that about yourself nah. at all, at all, at all. No, nah. no. Nah. I just think it's weird that people want to talk to me. It's very weird. <laughs> it's fucking weird. Don't go anywhere, because we got more What Now after this. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, 
Start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card is issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Um, when you're playing, this is something I've always wanted to know just as, as a selfish, you know, for, for me, completely selfishly. How much does it affect you when like the fans or the people in the crowd are like talking or not talking? So annoying. Or, like, do you it, really? So it, look, it's the timing of it. Like, yeah. if you want to come to a tennis game and cheer and be loud, like New York is so loud in Arthur Ashe Arena, it's so loud. But like, yeah. for instance, at Wimbledon or like at Oz Open or, and then when, or, 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 or moments where you have to be quiet, like it's like between first or second serves or like in the middle of the point, like you can't, People, I think they just don't realize that like a little, especially in tennis, like one point can change the whole momentum of the match. Like the scoring yeah. system isn't like like a basketball game or a soccer game. Mm-hmm, like soccer is mm-hmm. not, not a good example, but a soccer, um, like a soccer game, like you have to, I think people just, you know, they might be drinking too much or whatever, but they kind of don't understand right. that there's a little bit of etiquette in tennis where it's like you have to just be quiet at certain moments, not all the time, but certain moments. And I think people just yeah, struggle yeah, with that yeah, sometimes, it, it, you know. Because it can swing the entire game. It can, it can. Whenever you're doing um, those trick shots, yeah. which, you know, I think you, you've become even more famous for thanks to social media, you know, yeah. TikTok and you name it. Like in, in those moments, I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but I will anyway. As a fan of the sport, I live, I genuinely live for that moment, Nick. Yeah. I, I don't think you're, I don't care whether it works or not. Yeah, I me live too. for that moment me too. because me too. it feels unscripted. It feels yeah. original. Like when you when you when you're hitting those crazy trick shots to a fellow pro and you see them smiling and everything, like is that is that a moment where Nick's having fun on the court? Yeah, it's just like that. That's like a oh, I, I like that's like a part that I look back on. I'm like those those were cool moments because it's just like my personality coming through. And I think when I see the youth kind of you know going and doing that in their like small tennis center and they're trying to aspire to be yeah. like me, that that that's that's a real cool part about it. Like that's a bit of my personality where it's like, you know, show yourself, show yourself what you want, what you like, how uh-huh. you want to play in, in those moments. It's pretty cool. Would you ever go into coaching? I would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's asked for a couple of tips and a couple of things and I've helped her and a lot of players do. I think I've got, I'm a student of the game where like, I'm really smart tactically and I feel like I can help a lot of players. So yeah, probably maybe. What would you do differently as a coach to what, all the quote unquote, let's just call them um, you know, mainstream well, coaches are doing. Most, what do you, what do you think? What do you think coaches miss? I think most coaches miss like actually caring for the athlete and their well being first. I think they they care about the tennis first, most of them, and they don't really care about okay, how's my how's my player's life actually going? How like I would have to spend time with my student, I guess. I'd have to know what their tendencies are, how what they like to do, how they how their personality yeah. is off the court. You know, I need to know how they, like, just I need to get to know them and care about them first, have that connection, make sure that's solid before I actually mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Because how are they going to listen to me, first of all? If I don't care about them as like, and I gain that respect, they're not going to listen to me on the court. And I feel like that was something that I struggled with. Like I, I knew early in my career, people didn't really care about my well-being. Like I was paying them and they never hung out and they never really got to know me. And I was like, okay, so now they're mm-hmm. showing up on the tennis court. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do those relationships. So I guess I would just be there. Like I'd be early mornings with them, late nights, um, you know, go through the ups and downs and, and get to know them as a person. And, and yeah, that would be the difference, I think. I remember um, players at Inter Milan talking about Jose Mourinho. Yep. And, and a lot of the players were saying one of the reasons they regard him as one of the greatest coaches of all time yep. is not because of what he does on the field, it's what he does off the field. They said he involves himself in every aspect of your life, like a real human being. He's like, yep. how is your wife? How's your family? How are the kids? What's it's going the most on? Important Sometimes part. he would even let a player not play the game because he's like, hey, I get back home. You're struggling with a lot. And I, I, I often think about that with sport, you know, like, are we doing a good job treating athletes like the human beings that they are, especially thinking about like the mental aspects of the game? Like, I don't know if you've ever read um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic's book. But in, in the book, he talks about, it's a really, really fantastic book. I'd recommend it if you haven't. He he talks about how before one of the biggest matches of his career, he was dealing with the fact that him and his wife had lost like a child, like, you know, like, and it was, it was this, you know, it was, it was a painful, painful story of him talking about his wife was pregnant and yeah. then, and he has to go and play in a final and, and yeah. that's it. And all the fans care about is, did you score? Did you not score? You're dealing with yeah, this private thing that nobody knows about. You know, no, yeah. no one, no one gets to talk about it. I'd love to know, like, did you ever, did you ever get therapy? Did anyone ever recommend it? Was it something that you, oh, that you were exposed yeah. to? I've seen a lot of psych psychologists and I went to this like kind of this psychological kind of rehab place in London. Um, you know, I mm-hmm. was playing 2019 Wimbledon and I went there and I got, you know, I went there, I, I seeked a bit of help and it was kind of like a scary time because I had to play Nadal the next day and they were like, you should stay here for like a week or two. And I was like, I can't really do that because I've got to play Nadal the next day. And that was when I, it was a big wake up call for me. I was like, shit, I need to kind of drive myself out of this period because damn, no matter what I do, people are really not going to care about things I've got off, you know, off the court. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, 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 my grandmother, she passed away um, this year and, and she was like, she was quite old. She lived a great life. Um, she was like 94, mm-hmm. I think, or 95. And that day, you know, I was training and, and she'd passed away and I was in Sydney and she was in Canberra and my family were FaceTiming mm-hmm. me and I was FaceTiming her. I was on the c- camera to her watching her kind of, you know, go through that phase. Oh, of wow. just And then it's like, then I'm at a tennis center training and people come out to photos and like that was like, that's the kind of thing that people just don't yeah. get. Like it was my it was my girlfriend's birthday as well. So it was my girlfriend's birthday. Like um, my grandmother passed away and I was had tra- I was training and people just come on photos and it's like that sort of stuff takes so much of a toll on someone it's like sorry that I might be miserable the next day do you know what I mean like it's like right, right. the people don't get that they're like oh how how arrogant of you not to take a photo I'm like dude like I just like five minutes ago my grandma just passed do you know what yeah. I mean like they don't they don't care about yeah that. no I know exactly I know exactly what you mean I know exa- my grandpa passed away l- last year same same thing it's the same like and you don't you don't want to, nor should you have to deal with it with strangers. Like you don't want to tell everyone, oh, my grandmother just died. My grandmother just died. Exactly. But then if you don't take a photo, it's like, oh, well, why are you yeah. so rude? I'm like, dude, all right, do you want to know? And then they, like, it's it's crazy, man. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's that line. They they only miss you when you're gone. It's, 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 it's that feeling. Of course. 
one one aspect I definitely want to touch on before before I let you go is is your relationship. You you've been really open and and it seems like you give a lot of credit to to your partner for how she like how she's helped you in your life. You've talked about her getting you out of the darkest moments, how she sees you when other people don't. I remember watching her at Arthur Ashe, if I'm not mistaken. It was like, and like seeing how she sort of felt for you in some of the moments on the game. Yeah. Sometimes in the game, sometimes it even yeah. felt like you were just playing in front of her. It wasn't even about the rest of us. What what's yeah. what's that relationship meant to you? And and um and how easy is it to be in a relationship when you're in the position that you're in? Oh, I mean, first of all, being in a relationship in my like in our, I guess in a, in anyone that's kind of in the limelight, it's not easy at all. Like it's it's really hard. You know, there's a lot of eyes on your relationship. There's a lot of people that have mm-hmm. their opinions, and on social media, they're commenting this or that. Like a lot of garbage that gets kind of fueled into yeah. it, and then like obviously. Yeah you know, following and liking and all this. And, you know, I mm-hmm. think the best thing about my relationship is that we have really nice, really, really good boundaries and we both respect it. And we we know that trust is really the only currency you have in a relationship. And once you break it, I think it's it's really hard to, especially in the limelight, once it's a little bit broken, it's, it's really too hard to fix. But mm-hmm. she's just present. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that I say about my girlfriend now. She's just present and she knows the whirlwind of my life, like when I travel and when I'm in the spotlight and when I'm dealing with negativity or positivity and I'm winning and I'm stressed. Like she's just there. Like I just like I play on the biggest stadiums in the world and I get back to the little hallway and she's just waiting there and she's like, Yeah, you did really well. And it's like she just sits there and she's just like, I'm proud of you. And you know, we go home and we'll make food together. It's just like I love just the simplest of things. Like I don't need anything. It's like just be present mm-hmm. for me because like in the whirlwind of my life and the shitstorm, I just want to come home to a nice, calm environment where we can talk and just relax. And I don't want to talk about tennis, just like, what are you doing today? Or what are we doing? I just love that. And yeah, I think that that's yeah, just the, who are you as a human being? Like, I know it's not easy. Like, I'm not easy to be with. Like, there's a lot of shit that comes with me and I've yeah. got a lot of baggage and I've got a lot of spotlight and people don't like, I know not everyone wants that. It's not fun all the time. And I think my girlfriend now, she's just really partner she's just yeah she's just present she just rides the waves like and she's really good to travel with that is the biggest thing and that's how you know if she's a one or not if you can travel with your partner and not lose your shit at them with like delayed flights or shitty hotels if you can travel with your partner then she's the one yeah it goes both ways i always tell people i say if you if you want to know where you really are in a relationship travel alone with someone no matter who it is you will expose yourself because that's you like when you wake up together go to bed together deal with the hotel together, the, you know, like you said, the flight's delayed, the, there's a problem with the seats. Yeah, everything. A, you will know who the other yeah, person adversity, is. Yeah, adversity, yeah. Yeah, you know, you know. What does she think I mean, of your OnlyFans? Had... Like, you, because you, um, you have an well, OnlyFans. I saw like... this and I was like, I was like, I was like, Nick, what, what the hell is this? And then I was like, okay, it's not what, it's not like a, it's funny because no, OnlyFans started not, off as like... this idea where you could just share exactly. insider insights. Now people think of yes. OnlyFans as only being porn. When I saw of Nick Kyrgios is on OnlyFans, I was like, what? Yeah, what did you think? You were going to say my, what did you think? I was going to say my extra bit of equipment. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. Um, I thought I was going to see your tennis no, balls, like, Nick. That's what I thought, man. Yeah, baby. That's a lot, <laughs> a lot of people want to see. But it's like, it's crazy, you know? And it's like, I'm just giving insights of like my training regimes, like my rehab, yeah. my dog, like normal life stuff that people love to see. It's like, oh, I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, I've gone in behind the scenes of Good Trouble, my show, or like, yeah, you know, like just tennis stuff. And it's like, I think in a way, look, I I think some part of OnlyFans obviously very, very insane. Like I would never, ever do anything like 
obviously I'm not going to go out there take my shirt off and shit and do like that's right, not happening. Right. But at the same time, like I think, look, there's a way to. I got so many fans that are willing to you know see my stuff and my stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Not, not that stuff, but not just your stuff, stuff. Not your stuff, but your yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I think I think it's cool. But the cool thing about it is that every media platform now that wants to see what I'm up to has to subscribe to my OnlyFans. So I did my, That's I do hilarious. like big announce. I do a big announcements on my Instagram. I'm like, make that sure you go to my hilarious. Instagram. And then all these media platforms are subscribing to my OnlyFans and then they got to <laughs> go and see what I'm doing. So it's like, I'm just stealing. I'm just stealing their money. Oh, man. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So any the tennis world yeah. now has to sub to my only fans to be like, oh, that's what he's doing. Oh shit, we had to. So that now, up. so then now they know what's happening. It's like it's like paying the tabloid to follow you for a change. Exactly. Is, yeah. And it's that's like, actually yeah, it's payback. That's yeah. actually a great that, idea. You're gonna start doing it now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, that's actually I'm not I'm not mad at this idea. Actually, would you ever do a Would you ever stream gaming as well? Yeah. Yeah. I, like I was. That's what I mean. I was streaming. I'm gonna. I'm playing some games like Logan Paul and stuff. And I'm gonna stream them on only yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. Like it's it's cool. Like it's cool. And I think I'm actually helping the platform a bit gain some more you yeah. know athletes yeah, i think you it's are. cool I, I would actually subscribe to if like jason tatum or boston celtics had only fans i would hell yeah i would subscribe like to get inside the locker room and see like, right right dope like huddles before they go out 100 uh-huh, percent. you uh-huh. kidding me i definitely i would get inside the game and into the human being well you know what i'll, I'll tell you as one of your fans yeah, man, I, I i appreciate i appreciate who you are as a person i appreciate how flawed you've been in public I appreciate the fact that you have you've survived through it all. I know it's not easy. I can't imagine That's what it's easy, like, yeah. you know, at the age that you were doing it, and then on you know under the microscope that you that you're constantly under. But um, yeah, man, I, I I appreciate that you that you try, that you grow, that you talk about your mental health, that you you do it all, and that you're that you're a great guy for real, man. I, appreciate I really that. appreciate. Thank it's you. great to meet your pleasure, heroes, man. and they are they're as fantastic as you oh. are, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I really keep do doing it. And I, I promise you now, just do me one favor. I promise you now. This is what I, it's what? the promise I made to myself, Nick. I always go, if the world is ending, you've got to figure out what mm. kind of party you're throwing for it. And I think of that I in your career as well. I would just sit in front of my PC and play. Yeah, play. but I'm thinking, when, Warzone, I'm thinking the same thing for up. you, man. When you're on the road, when it's that final goodbye, please, t- I, I promise you I'm not wrong on this. Make it a party, man. Leave Make it the biggest goodbye, the most fun. Bring your people. Make it raucous. Leave your stamp on the sport. Don't let the sport leave its stamp on you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, man. All right, bro. Thank you again, Nick. Take it easy. Appreciate you. Same, man. All right, cool. Bye. What Now with Trevor Noah is produced by Spotify Studios in partnership with Day Zero Productions, Full Well 73, and Odyssey's Pineapple Street Studios. The show is executive produced by Trevor Noah, Ben Winston, Jenna Weiss-Berman, and Barry Finkel. Produced by Emmanuel Hapsis and Marina Henke. Music mixing and mastering by Hannes Brown. Thank you so much for listening. Join me next Thursday for another episode of What Now? What Now?